Welcome to Simple Faith with host Dale Carlson, bringing solid Christian answers to your questions and concerns. for Simple Faith on Life-Changing Radio. Here's host, Dale Carlson. Welcome to Simple Faith. We're so glad to have you join us again today. We've got a fantastic guest today. I can't, I can't wait to hear what he has to say. We're here with uh, Jim Barnes uh, as normal and uh, <laughs> as normal as he can be. <laughs> yeah, you're not <laughs> and Bob, Bob, Bob Bomier. Abnormal Bob. Yeah, and, Bo- <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, and today we have Sam Richards. He's a pastor of East Winthrop Baptist Church and has for 30 years uh, conducted a prison ministry to women in Kennebec County Correctional Center. So welcome, uh, Sam. We're so happy to have you. Thank, thank you, Dale. No, it's, it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting thing to have a man leading women's ministry, and uh, usually it's men that uh, lead men's ministries and women that need need uh, women's lead women's ministries. W- women that lead women's ministries. You know, uh, how does that work for you? Well, it, it actually works okay. Uh, I always have a chaperone with me, which is uh, great, and there are women ministering as well. But uh, I did not volunteer for uh, doing this geo ministry. <laughs> oh. No, my colleagues, the, uh, the, the other ministers in Augusta at the time decided that I should have uh, this ministry. So mm-hmm. they, they sent me to deal with the women. And I just said, I've spent 15 years training to do men's ministry and discipleship, and you send me to deal with women. I don't know anything about them. They said, you're perfectly qualified. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, you had a, We were talking a little bit about, uh, about this before the program, and, and we had kind of an interesting uh, passage of Scripture that you shared with us. And I, I'd like you to, to start us out with that, and, and then let's talk about what it means to minister to women and what what these women are up against is they uh, is they uh, are in in prison and uh, they have to reenter, uh, you know. And, and what our job is, what, you know, what is our job as Christians? Okay, so uh, I was just really fascinated that we uh, Dale and I were really in sync in terms of our Bible reading today. We were both in Matthew nine, mm-hmm. and uh, I notice in Matthew nine nine that Jesus calls Matthew from the tax uh, collector's booth. And that suggests to me that he wasn't the only tax collector there. And it's kind of built up a little bit because uh, in verse 10 we're told that many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. And so the Pharisees, they saw this and they said, what, what are you thinking? Why are you eating with tax collectors and sinners? Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, it's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what it means, I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. 
Then the disciples of John came and said, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said, The attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? Mm. But the day is coming when the bridegroom will be taken away, and then they will fast. No one puts a patch on a garment, a shrunk garment uh, on an old garment, a new patch. The patch pulls away from the garment. Nor do people put new wine in old wineskins. And I, I picked up on this verse of, of what I desire is mercy. I, I want to see acts of mercy. And this is the first this is the first day of Matthew's fellowship of Jesus. And Jesus is going to take him on a journey of of mercy that is uh, really astounding uh, in in its depth and its breadth. So uh, while he was saying these things, uh, uh, the synagogue official came and worshiped Jesus and said, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. So Jesus got up and began to follow him to perform a ministry of mercy. His disciples followed him, including Matthew. And a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, for she was saying to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be well. But Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, Daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. Another ministry of mercy. At once the woman was made well. And then Jesus came into the official's house and saw the flute playing um, mourners, the professional grievers, and, and they were making all of the appropriate noises for a funeral. And he said, give way, leave, for the girl is not dead but is asleep. And they began laughing at him, or they laughed him to scorn is what the original language says. But when the crowd had been sent away, he entered and took her by the hand. Now notice that, by the hand, and the girl got up. Wow. The news spread throughout all the land. Then Jesus went on from there, and two blind men came up to him um, when he was in his house. And and, And Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord. So then he touched their eyes, and their eyes were opened. It shall be done to you according to your faith. And then he warned them, see that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him throughout the land. And as they were going out, remember, we're talking about acts of mercy, one after another. Mm -hmm. This is what disciples of Christ do. They engage in ministry to perform acts of mercy. It isn't about attendance on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. It's about where you go after you've been in the presence of the Lord, and he sends you out to do acts of mercy. In, in other words, that's what it means to follow Jesus. That's exactly <laughs> what it means to be born again. I mean, that's that's the mindset we get. You get a whole new attitude right. towards what your life is all about and what your priorities are. Um, okay, so as they were going out, a mute demon-possessed man was brought to him. And after the demon was cast out, 
The mute man spoke, and the crowds were astounded, saying, We've never seen anything like this ever before in Israel. But the Pharisees were saying he casts out demons by the ruler of the demons. So Jesus was going through the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and doing acts of mercy, healing every kind of disease, every kind of sickness, seeing people, he felt compassion for them. I don't know what else would move people to get into jail ministry if it were not having compassion for people. The, the love of Christ constrains me, says Paul. Uh, and I have to say to my fellow believers, well, what's constraining you? Well, how are you going to get engaged in ministries of mercy, which is your, your, your discipleship? That's your obedience. Remember Jesus' words, closing chapter 9, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send you out as workers into his harvest. So God has people who are awaiting your ministry of mercy, and you are following Christ by doing those acts of mercy. Thank you, Sam. You know, yeah. this is, we have been blessed, and I'm speaking, I'm sure, for Bob and Jim also, that uh, we have had over a hundred, I believe, uh, ministries on here, ministries of mercy, that, uh, that all need the same thing. They need volunteers, they need people to step up to the plate and, and be merciful, and they need support. They and, do. And, uh, and I just think that we are compelled as Christians, as, as, as people who are on this radio program, to expose these ministries of mercy and ask people to get involved. And so I, I, I'm, I'm excited to hear about your ministry today uh, to, to the women in the jail. What, what's, that, what's that like? Uh, it, it's astounding. I mean, uh, it's like going to church, really, and meeting with the Lord. How is it different to uh -huh. go to, to, to ch church in the, in the prison as, it is, as, as opposed to the... Uh, well, the women come fully expectant to meet the Lord, mm -hmm. fully expecting to hear the word, fully expecting for the word to change them and not for them to change the word. It's, it's this hopefulness, it's this anticipation. Refreshing. Where it's, did they get that expectation from? I think that's called the Holy yes. Spirit. <laughs> but, you know, as, as Something's going on in there. Something is beautiful going on. In fact, I just had the joy of baptizing six uh, new oh. believers, and some of them I've been with for like three months because all of the, all of the uh, detainees at the Kennebec Jail are short-term, mm -hmm. so I don't know how long I've got with them, but a number of them made very profound, significant, and real decisions for Christ, and as a result, their whole life has changed. Their whole mindset has changed. Uh, uh, let me give you a wonderful example. Yeah. One one night they came in and they just said, we, we just can't stand all of the vulgarity on the pod, all of the cursing and all of all the crude language. Well, it's just awful, awful, awful. I said, well, I said, why haven't you taken authority over the pod? You know, in the name of Jesus, why don't you just say, we're not going to have any of that. Let's, let's ask the Lord to uh, tune off, out the, the profanity. <laughs> so 
They agreed to do that. So this was a prayer experiment. I said, let's see if prayer really works. The next week they came back and their eyes were like saucers. <laughs> They're looking at me. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. They said. <laughs> <laughs> He said, the profanity has gone way down. The violence is down. It's not, it's not as crude anymore. I said, hmm. Yeah, prayer works, doesn't it? So <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, that was very encouraging for them because it was a very practical you know, a need that they had. They had found it troubling. And I said, please understand that you happen to the world the world doesn't happen to you. Mm. If, <laughs> oh, wow. If you are born again, you have authority over demons. You have authority over circumstances. You have authority over the situation that you're in. So you are completely responsible for the kind of jail experience that you're going to have because mm. you're in charge. Mm. They're not. So you're, what you're saying is that there's a spiritual war going there's in there. There's a spiritual war. It's not, it's not just uh, between flesh and blood. It's uh, there's a spiritual war going on. In and there. they and they have joined sides in that war. They have. They've, they've been they've been conscripted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Drafted. So, uh, Jim, I, I was fascinated with you picking up on this uh, war on women theme that uh, I have found so powerful. You know, back in Genesis three yeah. fifteen. Uh, there is a verse where God announces that he's putting enmity between the seed of Satan and the seed of woman, and um, that he will bruise your heel and your seed will bruise his head. Now, we know as Christians that that's talking about Christ and his ministry, but there's an implication for all women uh, that there is enmity, they are in a war that has been declared on them by Satan, that there's a demonic struggle in the world that really informs all kinds of things, the pro-life movement, abortion, birth control practices, zero population growth, environmental concern. It's, it's all infiltrated by satanic uh, influences who are seeking to work your destruction. And I said, when you face squarely that that's what's up, that all women everywhere are in a state of siege and that Satan is trying to kill, steal, and destroy, there is a response of compassion or concern that should surface. And you look at this and go, oh my goodness, if it's really if it's really that bad for the women, I, I'd better be a little more involved in in helping protect my women or provide uh-huh. for women or look out for women. Don't just let this go on and let them be savaged by the enemy. If Satan's coming against me, he's coming against my, my, my friends right here. That's exactly, that's exactly right, yeah. So, uh, again, you know, Jesus is pretty clear about the demonic influences. Some people say, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't meet a whole lot of people who want Jesus. I said, well, sometimes you have to do house cleaning, get the demons out of the house. You say, in the name of Jesus, all unclean spirits must leave right now in the name of Jesus. And now, now, now let's have some conversation. Would you mm-hmm. like to sit down to dinner? <laughs> you know, but we don't do that kind of preparation because we, we seem to think, oh, that really can't be that way. Well, I, I, think, I think it's not only that, uh, you know, and I, I think you're absolutely right, 
but we have got this mentality that we just need to tell people about Jesus. And it's, you know, that's a wonderful thing to do, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but there's a foundation that we lay under that, and that's our acts of mercy mm-hmm. that, uh, that, that, uh, that, that say, my life has been changed, and so I care about you. And, uh, and it, it's more than just telling people about Jesus. It's about living that life that Jesus has told us to live that builds that foundation, that gives us the opportunity, opens doors for us to be able to share Jesus on a whole different level. It's not us telling them and, and teaching them so much as it is inviting them to be part of a community. And, and having mercy on them. Absolutely. You know, you, you know, what What is it that God would have done here that would be kind or liberating or freeing or, or helpful or healthy? You know, th- those are really important things. But that's what you, Sam, taken you from the pulpit to the jail well the jail is my pulpit uh, you know if 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 i should be so bold it's, it's like i get to go in and preach every week and i get to preach to a congregation that wants to hear a sermon uh-huh but that's and, a scary place to preach a, isn't it that's an excellent place to be <laughs> <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to take a break here right now, and uh, I, I can see we're going to head on to another topic, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be back with Sam in just a couple of minutes. So hold on. This is going to be a good interview. <laughs> Welcome back to Simple Faith. We're with Sam Richards today. Uh, he's pastor of the East Winthrop Baptist Church, and he works in jail ministry for 30 years at uh, the Kennebec County Correctional Center. So um, we're, let's let's uh, let's hear some stories of, of um, what uh, what your, your your ministry. What is what is it like? Well, uh, you know, you have to go in. We always pray before we go in because you never know what's going to hit you. And, and Bob asked me, "What do you do with disruptions?" I said, "Exploit them to the fullest." You know, <laughs> see what see what you can do because many times a woman will raise questions that um, precipitate. You know, um, uh, some effort on my part to come up with an answer. Uh, for example, um, I, I was challenged on the um, reliability of Scripture. You know, how do we know that the Bible's authoritative? Yeah. How do, isn't it just written by a bunch of men who lived a long time ago and don't know really anything? So uh, I could hear all of the secular kind of memes going into this, and I, I, I said, okay, well, let you know, my authority on Scripture is Jesus. What he said about Scripture is what I believe about Scripture. Do you know what Jesus had to say about Scripture? And, and they were absolutely uh, uh, clueless. They did not know uh, what Jesus had to say about Scripture. So I, I, I taught them. Jesus said it's reliable, it's historical, it's authentic, it's real, the history in it is actual, it is unchangeable, it is eternal, it is perfect. And and I said, and this is Jesus, my authority, telling me what Scripture is, and I agree with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that really helped them. They they were able to get past a, a whole lot of skepticism that's cultural, and it 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 vitiates some of the, uh, the the nonsense that that people come with. But so we do have disruptions, and and sometimes they're very helpful because you can help them build mm-hmm. their faith. 
Uh, I was I was in my devotions the other night because, frankly, the relationship between what I do in jail and what I do in my devotions and what I do in in church is is kind of all interwoven. And I was recently meditating on uh, John 17, and uh, in in that Jesus says, "Father, glorify me with Thy own self, with the glory I had with Thee." before the foundations of the earth. And I looked at that and I went, wow, wow. And immediately I heard in the back of my mind a line from Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And, 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 and so I, 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 you know, come desire of nations, come. Um, I, I just went, wow. Oh, that's a great carol. You know, Wesley wrote carols so that people would learn theology painlessly. They would memorize a wonderful song. It was very singable, and all of this biblical truth would be woven into it. So although they couldn't read and didn't have Bibles, he was still getting the essentials of Christian doctrine across to them. And then I thought, wait a minute. And then I went to the, the hymn itself, and I read the hymn over, and I said, no, this is not it. This is not. This is not all there was to it. I'll bet there were some other verses. And I went and I found one. I found them. I found those other <laughs> verses, and and in them, the text from Genesis three fifteen was included. The whole theology of the war on women was right there in Hark the Herald Angels Sing. But we <laughs> we don't know that because we don't sing the verses that were taken out mm-hmm. by George Whitfield. Now, I love George Whitfield, great evangelist, but he didn't find it convenient to have all of that doctrine in the hymn, in the carol that he wanted. He just took the first three verses and said, that's good enough. Yeah, the nice part. Well, it wasn't the nice part, but <laughs> it, it, it's, it's all very profound, you know what I mean, yeah, but, yeah. but the piece that was meaty that got into uh, the incarnation and the atonement and the sacrifice and the resurrection, the desire of all the nations, you know, all of that truth that people would never have been exposed to if they hadn't memorized Hark the Herald Angels Sing hmm. at their Christmas pageant. Hmm. But just, <laughs> wow, this is just so amazing. So I, I, I did, uh, I am going to be preaching on this, uh, you know, this Sunday, but I've noticed that major works of literature have been edited. The uh, the confessional part of Robinson Crusoe is taken out. He wanted to tell his father that he'd become a Christian. The editor took that out. wasn't oh. interesting. They'll leave MacGyver, but we'll take out the Christian. And then you have uh, uh, the Little Women. Uh, every chapter of Little Women had the girls acting out an episode from John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. Now, you could say they were just having fun in the attic wearing costumes, but in fact, what they were doing was acting out their faith. They were, ah. they were embodying their faith. And the editors came out, oh, well, we don't need any of that. There's too much God in there. Let's, let's get all of this God stuff out and unclutter the book. Get God out of the book, and we'll just leave little women. So what we're left with is a bunch of hysterical girls, you know, <laughs> running, or, running around in well, the attic. a sweet story. Yeah, very sweet story. But it had so much substance. <gasps> and so what happens is we come to this generation, they read little women. They did not get schooled in 
uh, the slough of despondency. They didn't, they, you know, the, the attack of Apollyon, you know, despair, um, hope, uh, evangelism. They didn't get any of that truth taught to them because they took that piece out of uh, the original uh, work by Louisa May Alcott. So, uh, but it's really in there. It's really in there. <laughs> and so you put it back in and uh, <laughs> you, you get a lot more meat out of it. So, um, sometimes people say, you know, are the women really interested in those kinds of issues? And I would say to you, absolutely. They just drink it in. They, even those even women those in, in jail. Yes, even especially. I mean, they're tough. Why, why do you think that is? Um, I, think, I think that they've heard the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you hear the gospel, it creates a spiritual thirst. I'm convinced of that. There's a hunger that grows on you. Once you've had Christ presented to you, you want to know him more. You want to understand him better. You you want to grow. Christianity is about growing in your faith and growing in your capacity to, to see where mercy is called for and to find, search out, seek um, moments where opportunities that you can seize, like visiting in jail, um, it, it, it's wide open. There is so many people who would love to have a visit. There are so many people who would love to see other church services. There, I'm just speaking about one jail. Mm-hmm. We we have a bunch yeah. of jails, yeah. and we have a prison. So I, I can imagine I can imagine that uh, the women that are in jail there are probably reflecting on where their philosophy has gotten them up to this point in their life and uh and uh and and you know i i think the the saying that uh that you if you keep on doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results you know that that kind of dawns on them a little bit at that uh at that at that stage of of uh that, of that's life. true yeah. uh, one of my wonderful uh, i would call it success stories is a woman who was sitting in church and just came to this place where she said okay I've been I've been running my life and it's all screwed up. I think it's time to let Jesus have a tie, mm-hmm. and and so she turned to Jesus and you know she's had a very successful recovery because you can do all of the twelve step work you want and it's helpful to a point, but twelve step without Jesus is useless. Twelve steps without Jesus is lift yourself up by your bootstraps. That's really what it boils down to. And they need Jesus to get them, you know, past, above, and oh, beyond. Yeah, to change beyond. that mess inside. Yeah, that's right. That's Not exactly the bootstraps right. that need to be lifted up. <laughs> there so, you go. So they're hungry for change. They are. They're hungry for change. And they are transparent and honest and authentic. You know, you if you're an alcoholic, you can't fool another alcoholic. And so here, here they are. Self pity is dead on arrival. They start, they start to get into this self pity. Oh, last poor me, and it yeah. just goes yeah. goes down in flames. And it's so refreshing because it's like there's no um, BS, yeah. just none. So where is the BS? <laughs> you brought it up. But where is the BS? I think it's a lot of what's being preached in churches. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's a it's a feel good. Yeah. It is. It's yeah. therapeutic. A yeah. therapeutic gospel. Yeah. We're we're trying to make peace with this life. Okay, we want you to be happy. Yeah. And I say to the women, listen, Jesus wants you holy. 
and he doesn't care if you're happy because if you're holy, he has joy in store for you. And that's much better than happiness. Much better, yep. Well, you, you talk about uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, when Bill Wilson had the revelation uh, of a higher power and his relationship with that higher power, I think what happens in secular communities is they downsize or they they do away with that and it, just like you said about <laughs> some they, of these other things they delete the god stuff yeah. yep that's I right i remember when i was a teenager we got a new minister in our church and he talked he st- he did a lot of talking about jesus and i'd never heard anything any of that stuff before and it i all of a sudden i'm saying wait a minute is that true did, did that was there a real guy named Jesus? Did he really do that stuff? And the more he talked about it, the more my eyes and my heart began to pop. And I said, "Wait a minute! I, I want to know more about this. Tell me." Wonderful, Jim. That's great stuff. Yeah. So um, again, I was thinking about um, how to build their trust in the Word of God. Mm-hmm. How that's really important to do. And, and I have encouraged the ladies to tell me who told you that the Bible couldn't be trusted? Who told you that? What is their authority? Have you ever asked for their authority? Or have you said, is this something you discovered by your study and honest investigation of the word? Or are you just passing on rumors that someone else fed to you and you have no idea what it is that you're talking about? Are you just gossiping? about God? (laughs) Why don't you get serious about the Word of God and take it for what it is? Mm -hmm. And they respond very well, you know, to that. Jesus says, um, um, remember the phrase, it is written, translates in our parlance to God says. Mm -hmm. And, and, And sometimes it really helps to just make a substitution there and say, oh, every time Jesus said it is written, you should say, God says. God says. Oh, God says. So I, I Amen. find Amen. that helpful. Yeah, and it, it, it kind of suggests that, that we ought to start a, a little less. We, in church, we could use a little less gossiping about God and a little more of gospeling. what he says. A little more gossiping. <laughs> a little more gossiping, a little less gossiping. Yes, that's true. Okay. Um, I, I do I do realize that most of the women that I encounter are largely ignorant about Scripture, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's important to increase um, their knowledge of the Word of God. Important to help them see who they are in Christ. Um, I talk to them about not finding their identity in their sexuality, or their work, or their profession, or their education, or their crime life. Or their addiction, you know, you need to find your identity in Christ because that is who you really are. That is who you will be forever. And that is who Jesus came to mm-hmm. save. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Oh, wow. So uh, it's, it's really good to help them start to understand what identity is. And the other thing is to love them. Many of them have come to the conclusion that they're ugly, stupid, garbage, or worse, and are totally unlovable. And just by going and expressing the love of Christ, 
you are doing a ministry of mercy and healing by affirming them and saying, no, actually, you are quite worthwhile. You are quite precious to God. You are totally worth the investment of time and effort and energy. I choose to love you. And, they, and you do that by, by um, showing up. By showing up. Every, 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 every time, every, you, every time you, you do it. That's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's different than going and presenting a Christmas carols right. uh, to, to them and then disappearing for another 11 and a half months. Correct. Uh, it's yeah. showing up. It's showing up day in, day out, and, uh, and rain or shine. Being there. It's a wonderful explanation of the incarnation. The incarnation is when God chose to be there. Be there. That's what Jesus did like for Jesus us. Like Jesus when he was, after he, after he called Lee, uh, Matthew and went out and started demonstrating what it means to be merciful. And, and in every instance, he it, it, it was in the midst of it. He was there. He, he touched, reached out and touched, or they reached out and touched him. And they were with him. See, that, that's the important thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They were with him in that ministry. But uh, don't you find women in, in, in a prison setting like that have, would have a ter- terrible fear of being touched, of letting anyone get too close? No. Hmm. That's not my experience. Mm-hmm. No. They, and when you say you're precious, you're not worthless. That's right. They, they'll, they'll respond to that. Yeah, well, they'll when receive you, it. When you remind them that Jesus paid the ultimate price for them and that they are worth the blood of Christ, you know, that's what they need to tell themselves. They've been telling themselves for years that they're worthless, and now they need to understand they've been purchased, they've been bought, they've been saved, they've been redeemed, and a tremendous price was paid for their liberty. We're going to take a break now for just a couple minutes again, and we will be right back. Uh, if you want to call in uh, and talk to Sam, and uh, and uh, I, I just I would encourage you to do that. Our number is seven two five nine two two four, or you can text something for for Sam at five seven six fifty six forty eight. We're only going to be on the air for another uh, uh, about twenty minutes, so if you'd like to do that. Uh, Please do, and we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. And what's that number again, Dale? Seven two five nine two two four. If you want to talk on the phone, or if you want to text five seven six fifty six forty eight. So okay. we'll be we'll be back in, in just a couple of minutes. Welcome back to uh, Simple Faith. We're here with um, Sam Richards, uh, pastor at uh, East Winthrop Baptist Church, and prison minister for 30 years at Kennebec County Correctional Center. So we're, uh, we're happy to, uh, to have you here t- today, uh, Sam. We just, uh, we just got a text from somebody that says, what does that mean that you're finding your identity in Christ? You just said that you don't find your identity in what you do. Don't find your inde- do, don't find your identity in what your books are. I, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time following this. Uh, yeah, it's a text. Yeah, it's a text. And in what your books are, don't fight in, or identity in education, find your identity in Christ. What does that mean? How does someone do that? I'm not sure I, I read this properly, but... Uh, Let's take a shot at it uh, this way. 
Finding our identity in Christ is a matter of making a faith move where you invite um, or open your heart to the influence of the Holy Spirit. And by faith, he comes and indwells you and begins to take, um, take possession of parts of you that, that you have been unable to move or change and you start to become holy even as he is holy and you start to become kind as he is kind and you start to be merciful as he is merciful and all of the traits that you find in Christ you know that are essential to his being become um, available you know to you it says you will have you will be like him when, ah. when we meet him and I think that that's what it means to find your identity in Christ. Find your identity in seeking to be like, to follow, and to minister as Jesus ministered. And, and you look in the Word, and you can find uh, copious descriptions uh, of that. But that might scare the heck out of me, suddenly discovering that I'm like Jesus. Well, thinking, oh, what, what happened? <laughs> What's happening to me? I, th I think that scaring the heck out of you is a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah. <laughs> I want to say this here. Uh, we have another text, and this lady was uh, falsely accused, she says, and thrown into prison. Um, and while she was there, rather than to have a bad attitude, she shared Jesus with inmates, and and all that uh, uh, was good, and people responded well. Uh, but then she said she was misused uh, by some of the a person that was doing the Bible study and by uh, some of the uh, prison guards, um, and you know, and. And those were her experiences, but the fact of it is, is Paul was abused and misused, and I don't think that's new. I think the scripture says, blessed are you when you are persecuted for my, my sake, you know, counted a blessing. Blessed are you when you have trouble. Blessed are you when you find opposition. You know, the, the Christian's um, experience, the, the Christian's experience is that um, what was intended for evil you know, actually does work out for good because of the grace and mercy of God. But I'm I'm sorry to hear that you were uh, you know uh, abused in that way. That's not fun. But I also know that your reward for your faithfulness is not is not um, diminished in in any way uh, by that experience. Sam, I just got a text back from that fellow that I kind of butchered the uh, okay. <laughs> the text with, and he says, "Nice answer, thanks." Sorry, voice text is bad sometimes. I've had that experience. <laughs> <laughs> so have I. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I I get so excited when I hear from you how open these women are uh, to uh, to having their lives changed in in how. How hungry they are to to uh, to change their their thinking and change their lives. That's so exciting to hear that. It makes me wonder. It makes me wonder what do we have to do as Christians to learn that Jesus called us to acts of mercy. Well, I I think we need to 
We need to stop robbing ourselves. You know? oh, that's exactly right. We <laughs> started robbing ourselves. Yeah, I right. hear that from in different ways. We hear that from every guest that comes on our, our thing. You're you're robbing yourselves. You are losing. You're, you you're, you're, you're missing. The, you're the one who are missing. You're out. missing the power of God. Oh, I mean, to, to be able to operate in that and to uh, to uh, see God answer prayer, like uh, you said, the the women that prayed, you, they didn't they didn't go around telling everybody to stop swearing. It just happened. And that is God at work, and you miss that. And yeah, I had, guess I, who's running this whole show? Yeah. <laughs> really? Great. So I had another incident where the, a lady said this woman was threatening her, and she just went to prayer, and suddenly the woman just looked at her and smiled, <laughs> stopped, and walked away. <laughs> ah. <laughs> and she went, how, how did that happen? Yeah. I said, weren't you praying for that to happen? And, and she admitted, yeah, that was. So yeah. it, it, it's wonderful. To, to see the love and support and compassion and, and their concern for one another, their discipling of each other in the ways of patience and kindness and gentleness, um, oh. growing in self-control. Um, it, it's, it's, like, it's like being in a greenhouse, you know, and just mm-hmm. watching these plants go. Yeah. And you're, you're going, wow, God is so good. So 30 years in, you still feel like that. I feel more like that than every day, huh? You, each yeah, day, yeah, yeah, yeah. Each week, it's yeah, been so good. Yeah. I just wish that people could have that experience. That's why we're on the air. Is we want people to have that experience. We want people to to uh, to begin to um, you know experience. So let me speak to that yeah. directly. The first thing you need to do is express your interest to someone who's already involved in ministry like myself, just say, hey, I'd like to get involved in something like this. Uh, Then I can put you in touch with the chaplain, and I can put you in touch with the program director, and we can get you um, introduced, give you some mentoring if you wish, um, but get you through the orientation process and get you approved to come into jail, and and perhaps you could come in. um, Once you get that approval, you can come in like with me, and uh, we could have some times together. And then you know um, you'd be you'd be good to go, but I th- I think that there are very practical steps that you have to take. You have to you have to. I try to do nothing to make the jail's job more difficult. That's one of my modus operandi. I just go. I'm I'm not here to harass. I'm not here to complicate. But. Um, could you could you help me do this or or can can I can I possibly do this? I just started a Bible study in Romans. I'm going through six or seven verses Whoa. of Romans every Sunday afternoon, and I get ten women, eight, nine, ten women with their Bibles in there digging into Scripture with me, totally focused. Good heavens! On learning Romans. God's word, Romans, yeah. I, I chose Romans because it's the best short course on doctrine that I know yeah. of. But, um, yeah, it's been hugely exciting. That's that's phenomenal. And I, I, I just encourage that anybody that uh, – and we'll have you share your contact information in just a little bit. But, you know, prison ministry, um, pregnancy resource centers – Ministry to uh, guys that are uh, that are uh, recovering from drugs and alcohol. Uh, there's a, a Christian Boy Scout ministry up in the Rockland area that we've had on in the past, and so many, many more. It's like 
there's not just one thing. There's a whole buffet of uh, of opportunity here, and it's just waiting for people to uh, to come in. All these ministries that we've had on have have said, you know, the same thing. We need hands. We need people to bring gifts of mercy, and we need support. We also need people to go to church. <laughs> we need people to support churches that are supporting the ministries. Right. My church supports the ministry, um, and since COVID, you know, we have had an awful lot of people who've decided to, you know, church from home, when in fact it would be really important to get back in the fellowship, yep. to mix it up, and to practice discipleship ourselves. To practice gifts of mercy in, in, in discipleship. Our, yep. yep. And and to uh, exhort each other, uh, encourage each other, and rebuke each other as needed, because uh, frankly, that's what church is all about. Mm-hmm. And I see church in jail. Well, Sam, I remember you you saying something. Say, well, just wait a minute. Say say it again. You see church in jail. I do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, explain that. Just a just a minute. Just just give us a second. What what do you mean by that? Well, what I see happening in jail is what church everywhere ought to be. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? Thank you. Uh, well, I was going to. You mentioned something about. A, a, a re-entry ministry because many of these women will only be in there for a fairly short time, and then they've got to go out into a world that's not waiting for them or welcoming them. Okay, so um, I, I just want to, uh, I'll just share my heart. Uh, I believe that women who come to, to Christ in jail are actually our sisters, mm-hmm. and that we should have a special burden for them. I think we should have a burden for all women, but but particularly as Christians to other Christians, we should have a special burden of wanting to see them helped on making re-entry into society. And sometimes this means uh, counseling, uh, it means uh, participating in a healthy church, it means having a season of respite that's not in jail, but where they're dealing with with freedom on, on on a less full throttle, some of them just can't handle all of the, the, the lack of boundaries or expectations or mm-hmm. walls uh, immediately. They, they need a, like a halfway house kind of experience, maybe I think something like six to eight months of, of careful, uh, loving uh, treatment would help uh, these women with their children um, find their feet and find gainful employment and and get back to being productive members of society. You, but you had a vision for actually doing something like I, that. I did. I, uh, my wife says I'm a hopeless visionary. So I, <laughs> I believe that there are a lot of motels sitting around uh, the state of Maine which would make absolutely perfect rehab or uh, re-entry facilities um, where uh, a small number of women are brought together and the help is brought together with ministers and pastors and and brothers and sisters in the faith, and we love them back to health and wholeness and back into our community because they are our brothers and sisters. You, you mentioned uh, a little bit about what a woman is facing that has been to prison and uh, in the reentry process. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a, almost a hopeless situation as you described it here during the break. But I did. I, I, I am astonished. They, they lose their housing. They, they lose their shelter. They lose their basics. They lose their possessions because friends go into their apartments and take their stuff while they're in jail and can't, you know, protect themselves. And 
uh, they come out, they have no work, they have no home, they have no house, they have no shelter. And they have no reputation because and rep- it, yeah. it follows them the rest of their lives, this prison sentence. So there's got to be a way that we love them through and past and beyond that. Mm-hmm. You said something about uh, g- getting involved in a church where you can get support and get the love of your brothers and sisters in the Lord. But how do you do that if you're coming out of prison and you don't know any church? Well, Somebody uh, in church has to come to you then and bring you in. If there were more church visitors going into church, they could take people to church. One of the things I think that Christians have really messed up is the idea of inviting people to church. Don't mm-hmm. invite people to church. Bring them to church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. you come with them. Uh, plan to spend the day with them. Plan to have a meal with them. Say, I want to spend the day with you. I'd like to share my church with you. Would you come to worship with me? I'd like to introduce you to my friends at church. Um, that kind of poverty is defined by uh, the quality and number of uh, relationships that you have. And I think what we need to do is pay attention to that and, and build that up. So, so, Sam, people are listening. And to respond, I mean, where do they begin? Maybe you can give us information how maybe they could contact you um, and maybe you could guide them. Well, um, every Sunday I am at the East Winthrop Baptist Church. Amen. <laughs> between the hours of nine, personal nine contact, and noon, yeah, yeah. and you could actually meet me face to face. We have a fellowship meal after church. You'd be welcome to come and attend. And, but but um, I am available. You know where I am every Wednesday night. I'm in jail. Um, I don't suggest you try to meet me there. But there, <laughs> there are there are kind of, there are various places where I I just am as regular as I can. Can be uh, my uh, my cell phone is two zero seven four five eight five five two zero. If you call me, I would appreciate you leaving a message because you're calling me out of the blue and I won't know who you are. Uh, it would be great to make the effort to introduce what is yourself. The number again two zero seven four five eight five five two zero, and the East Winthrop Baptist Church is at. Um, 93 Old Village Road in East Winthrop, Maine, 04343. I hope that uh, you all got that. I think it's 458-5560, you said? 5520. 5520, okay. 458-5520. Great, great. We got about one minute left here, and uh, when the music starts, we're done. But I want to give that last minute to you, uh, Sam, and thanks so much for coming today. I just, I, I've loved this interview today. This has been great. Thanks, Dale. I appreciate it too. It's been, uh, it's been exciting for me to uh, think. Uh, uh, how would I describe my ministry? Uh, thank you for the opportunity to think that through and have a chance to come talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's been so much fun. <laughs> well, uh, let's have fun together again yeah, sometime. Yeah, I'd I was like that. Say, yeah, I like the that. only yeah, one that was yeah. having fun. We make friends when we when when uh, folks come here and I just I just I love this part of the ministry. To me, this is so exciting to to be able to meet um, what I'd say is heroes uh, that oh, yeah. are out that are out there working and uh, and doing what Jesus called them to do. It's not it's more than just sitting in a pew. It's it's uh, out there providing those Acts of mercy, and uh, yeah, that's that's what it's all about. And if you're if if you're if you're not doing it, you're being robbed. 
I think that the joy, the tears of joy that flow in this ministry are so precious. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. And you can experience that. All of us can, can, uh, can experience that. But you got to step out of the boat. You got to. Walk on the water. water. Yeah, walk (laughs) on the water. That's exactly what it's all about. God bless you, Sam. Thanks for coming. Thank you, Sam. We'll be back next week.